0: My name is Nate Mickle. You're listening to Mickles and Dimes Layer 2, where every interview is dedicated to the simple, the practical, and the underappreciated. Dave Ulrich is a professor at the Michigan Ross School of Business, partner at the RBL Group, and one of the most recognized and influential leaders in human resources. The recognition Dave has received is staggering. Dave was ranked the number 1 most influential person in all of HR by HR Magazine, one of the 10 most innovative and creative thinkers by Fast Company, one of the world's top 5 business coaches by Forbes, and the number 1 management educator and guru by Business Week. And in 2012, Dave received the Lifetime Achievement Award from HR Magazine for being, quote, the father of modern human resources. Dave has published 30 books and over 200 articles and served on the editorial board of numerous academic journals. Dave also served on the board of directors of Herman Miller for more than a decade. He has presented his work in 90 countries, consulted with more than half of the Fortune 200 companies, and coached countless successful business leaders. I hope you enjoy learning from Dave Ulrich today, because I always do. David, it's great to connect with you today. And I'm grateful to our mutual friend, Paul Gustafson, who lined us up. And also, I wanted to say one more thing. I'm sitting in my Herman Miller Aeron chair. So thank you for whatever role you might have played in helping me get this chair to my home here in Lawrence, Kansas.
1: You got it. I was so honored to be on the board at Herman Miller for a number of 15 to 16 years. In the back, there's three buttons. Do you have a one, a two, or a three? Just Uh, at the top in the middle, you can feel the buttons, one, two, or three. And, um, I'm going to give you a secret about the Herman Miller chair.
0: Well, I, I, am feeling one.
1: That's it. You got the small because you're very svelte. That's the <laughs> small, I have a three chair and it's not one, two, three. Good. It's just the size. So yours felt, and you get a one I'm three. I get an extra large. So you just learned something. The Herman Miller chairs come in three sizes. One, two, and three.
0: And I even teach a Herman Miller case in my business ethics class, and I didn't know that. So thank That's you.
1: That's cool. They are one of the most ethical companies you would ever know. Uh, I was on the board, and uh, one of the most difficult decisions we ever had is when an issue of ethics came up. Because we ended up, I felt like, oh, we should have. Professor Nate in class, teaching us how to manage this in an ethical way. Great company, great standards, great values. They've evolved since I've been on the board. It's uh, clearly moving forward, but what a great company. You're lucky to be able to teach their work.
0: And I'm lucky to sit in their chair right now. Well, well, Dave, I really appreciate you spending a few minutes with me today. And I started recording this podcast a few years ago. I was thinking about all these things that I want to pass on to my kids, but they were too young for the lessons at that point. And so I started recording them you know five, 10 minute episodes about you know, the value of journaling or how can you disentangle correlation from causation. And I recorded about 25, 30 of these episodes and then I thought, I'll just ask other people to share their lessons as well. Why be selfish? Uh, why act like I, ha- I have all the answers? And so I started reaching out to people who I respect and admire and trying to learn from them of, of all the things that they've learned. What would they like to pass on? Well, Dave, you have an incredible 50 year career. Um, you have so much experience with so many companies, You know, half of the Fortune 200 companies. Uh, you have a massive online following. You are a prolific writer. And as you think back on all of the work that you have done in the field of organizational behavior, human resources, and leadership, if you had to think of one or two of the simple, practical, underappreciated lessons you've learned along the way, that you would most like to pass on to your children or future generations, what lessons would those be?
1: You know, it's a it's a great question. We haven't scripted this, but I had the chance a few years ago at the University of Michigan Business School to give the commencement address. And I was scared to death uh, for a whole host of reasons that I don't wanna go into. But I don't have a rags to riches story. I mean, I'm not Oprah Winfrey. I'm not Stephen Jobs. What am I going to say to a group of graduates, undergraduates, PhDs, MBAs? And finally it hit, I love to coach. I spend time coaching business leaders. I spend time coaching others. I have four coaching questions. So I'm going to go through one and I'll stop and see if you have a comment. So if I were meeting with someone and they were saying, what would you pass on? My first question is, what do you want? What is wanted? I think what is wanted is the most critical question anyone will ever be asked, because if you don't know what you want, somebody will define it for you, not in your interest. And so my comment is somebody's driving in their car to work or listening to this while they're mowing their yard. What do you want? And let me tell you why it's important, because sometimes if we don't, others define what we want and we end up spending time on things that are not really meaningful for us. Um, I'll give one quick example at a high level, and I wouldn't. Recommend anybody do this, but I was coaching a CEO of a very large company, and he's pretty rich. He's in New York City, and you you see the 10K, you see that he's rich. And I was coaching him. He he was discouraged. I said, "What's going on?" He said, "Oh, I have a 15-year-old son at home, and he and I aren't getting along very well." And I said, "Really?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "Wow, that's never happened." And he said, "Really?" And I said, "Are you kidding me? He's 15, and you're a CEO. Of course, you're not getting along. What is your son like?" And he said, my son likes baseball. And I felt like saying why, but I said, well, who does he like? The Yankees. And I looked at him and I said, the Yankees are in the World Series. It's October. In fact, they're at home tomorrow night. He said, oh, I guess that's true. And I said, go. And he said the stupidest thing, a smart executive who's wealthy, very wealthy, has ever said, I don't have tickets. Well, that's the dumbest thing in the world. When you make $10 million a year, $5 million a year, I said, go get a ticket really? And I felt like saying to him, your son is right. You are a complete doofus. And he said, you mean I can do that? And I said, of course you can. He bought tickets. He went to the game, called me two days later and he said, you reminded me first question, what do I want? I want to build a relationship with my kid. I want to build a relationship at work. What matters to me? How do I define success? I think people have to answer that question. So Nate, I would ask you the question. You didn't expect this. What do you want? How do you define success?
0: Yeah, great question. And I ask my students this question in business ethics, and we in in week two we talk about how are you going to measure your life? How do you define success? And before I answer for myself, while you know my uh, brain's kind of running in the background, coming up with an answer, uh, it, it's so interesting to me how many of the people want to get rich, retire, and travel the world, and so often they're you know, they're fine with whatever, seemingly fine with whatever sacrifice they have to make in the meantime. I don't have a ragged riches story, but I'm a pretty simple guy from a small town in Idaho Falls, Idaho. And I like spending time with my family and I want to have a great relationship with my wife and I want to have a great relationship with my kids. And I want to have great relationships with people in my community. You know, I,
1: love the, I love the answer because, and, and I don't want to get lost on the first question. I have three more, but the first, what do you want in a world of uncertainty? We don't know the future. Let's assume I know somebody with a 13 year old child. Do you know where that, I think it's a daughter, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Do you know where she's going to go to college? No. Nope. No. Do you know who she might marry? No. Nope. Do you know what she's going to study? No. I could keep getting the no's. No, 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 no. And then I'll stop. What do you know for sure about your 13 year old daughter? Will you love her?
0: I'm going to eat dinner with her tonight and I get to spend some time with her right now before she moves out. Yeah. Are you going to love her? That I love her. Yeah. That's even better.
1: That's Duh! I'm going to make you a bet. She's going to test that in the next six years (laughs)
0: uh,
1: because that's not uncommon. The reason I say that is knowing the question, what do you want, gives you certainty in a world of uncertainty. When I don't know what the future is going to hold, a company, are we going to have inflation, deflation? Are we going to have globalization or network? Are we going to have what political party? Democrat, Republican? I don't know. Don't go there. Don't chase the uncertainty. In fact, don't go too much after scenario planning. Stop and get the certainty. That's what I want. That's how I define success. You defined it beautifully. Your success is a relationship. Having talked to you a bit, your success is creativity. I have my definition. So if I were giving somebody coaching advice, are you clear about what you want? Number two, who do you serve? If we don't give back, our lives are pretty meaningless. All the research says service, philanthropy, giving makes us better. And we don't get rich to give, we give to get rich. And so my advice to somebody who's getting on their way to a degree, find somebody you can mentor, find somebody you can help that is not a public display of affection, but it's a very private giving act because that charitable heart gives you a sense of value and values defined by the receiver. Am I serving someone that makes my life better? What do I want? Who do I serve? So who do you serve? Nate, who are you serving?
0: Yeah, great question. Before I answer that, I got another tangent and it makes me think of Adam Grant and his book, Give and Take. And he was he was getting frustrated by all of the emails that he was getting from people that needed his help. And one day it hits him. Like, this is the point of my life is to help these people. So rather than be annoyed when they email, I'm going to enjoy this. And I've tried to adopt that. So anytime anybody asks for help, it's like, yeah, of course. Like what else would I rather be doing than helping somebody else? So who do I serve? Well, I think it goes back to uh, my wife and my kids. I also believe in God and I believe, you know, love God, keep the commandments. I, I think it's important to live a good moral life. And by doing that, that, was a lo- that allows us to serve our neighbors and just help people in our community or anybody that we can.
1: So for me, that question is so critical and and everybody has a different answer. I mean, uh, it may be a religious answer. I w- this uh, Again, the date of the podcast, doesn't matter when the date is, but it's the beginning of Eid. And so I was just in Saudi Arabia with some Muslims. They are very committed to their faith, to serving. They give back. I, I see Hindus giving back. I see Christians giving back. It, it's not a religious thing. It's, am I serving? And in, in, in that light, I think a lot of people who listen to podcasts like this say, uh, what do you do for work? And they'll say, well, I work for company X, Y, and Z, and I do job A, B, and C. I'd encourage you to rethink that. How do you consider your job a calling? I was asked that the other day, what do you do for work? And I said, I try to help business and HR leaders build organizations that succeed so that they can flourish. Well, what's your title? It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, it doesn't, Where do you work? It doesn't matter. I happen to have a perch at Michigan. I have a consulting firm. I have dozens of clients, but I have a calling to make a difference. So question one, what do you want? Question two, who do you serve? And, and sometimes that's very private. I, I, and, and, in my morning reflections, and you mentioned deity, and I'm, I mentioned in my morning reflections or prayers or whatever you want to call it, my question every day is, is there somebody I can help today? And if that person crosses my path, make me aware, whatever impression I get. Number three, what do I want? Who do I serve? How do I build? Long-term success is not Id- idiosyncratic. You can't go live in the woods and and have sustainable success. You live in the woods and you have a great life. I would encourage people to build something bigger than themselves, be part of an organization. When I uh, was on my way to law school, I met a friend named Paul, uh, whom you know, and he said, you've got to take this course in organizational behavior, OB. I took it, that professor changed my life. He said, go look at the organizations where you live, where you work, where you play, where you worship. How does that organization affect your life? I wrote a 10-page paper every week for 15 weeks. He called me in and he said, I've never known anyone to write a 10-page paper every week for 15 weeks. And I said, you captured me. My wife is a very good psychologist, said, Dave, you have OCD, which psychology, you know, is obsessive compulsive disorder. She said, you have organization compulsive <laughs> disorder. Um, this week, my mom got into an assisted living center, and at the end of the uh the uh, intervention, the end of the uh, assignment and getting in, I said, could I meet with the manager or the staff? I have 10 ways for you to build a better assisted living process. And my wife said, Dave, don't go there. You don't need to do every restaurant, every airline, every hotel. You don't need to fix the organization. Write books that nobody reads. Are you building an organization that is better than you? Are you participating in a system where the collective group comes together? That could be where you work could be a great university where you are. It could be a team you work with. It could be your faith. Are you generating organizational success? So I'd ask question one, what do you want? Question two, who do you serve? Question three, what are you building, Nate, that's bigger than you?
0: Yeah, I love it. And as I think about it, it's quite simple. I learn and I share. I teach. I, I share what I learn. To me, that's what I'm passionate about. And whether it's with my own children, with my wife, or with my students, that's why I'm doing research. That's why I'm teaching at a university. It took me a while to find it. I was in law school. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I, don't, I didn't finish my postdoc and my PhD until I was about forty. So it took me a while to figure out what I really care about. But yeah, for me, it's simple. I learn and then I try and share and teach. Cool.
1: Yeah, I I love that. I uh, how do I build? I have decided in the last few years that my idea friends are my best friends. Now my wife doesn't always like it when I say it that way because I say, well, sometimes idea. Sometimes you're not a good idea, but I love to learn. Idea friends wake me up at night. They get me up in the morning. They put me to bed. I love the idea of learning. So four questions. We're almost to the fourth for time. What do I want? Who do I serve? How do I build? And number four is really fun. Where am I? And let me go into the where am I with just a little context. I was recently in Saudi Arabia. We all have the story of Adam and Eve. It's a story that Muslims, Jews, Christians, it's common. Adam and Eve made a mistake. God came to visit and he said, Adam, Eve, where are you? Well, for decades in my life, I thought that question was, where are you hiding? You're behind a rock. You're behind a tree. And then it hit me about 15 years ago. God can see him behind a rock. I mean, hey, Adam, where are you behind which rock? I can see you, Adam. Don't hide. I don't think God was asking a physical question, but an emotional and social and intellectual question. You made a mistake. Where are you? Are you going to change and grow? Or are you going to let the mistake define you? I love that question in the journey of life. Where am I? Did you make a mistake? Okay. Are you going to own it? You're going to accept it. You're going to learn. You're going to grow. Or are you going to let the mistake define you and you get into a vicious cycle? My four questions are the things I'd encourage people to think about in a very simple way. I'd love to go through research. We've just done some really cool research using AI, machine learning. Somebody did a dissertation on that crap. They usually go talk to them at KU. That's you. Not crap. It's great stuff. But what do I want? Who do I serve? How do I build? And where am I? I think those questions for me capture a message I hope I could give not only to my kids and grandkids, but to the people that I work with. That was my graduation message. Uh, That's the message I try to give to people that I work and coach with.
0: What a great lesson. And, and I just want to at least answer that question, question as well. One of my favorite sayings from Buddhism is the only constant is change. And so for me, it's like, I'm either getting worse or I'm getting better and hopefully For me, I'm trying to always get better. This is the first interview I've ever done where uh, I was asked as many questions or more than I asked myself. I loved it, Dave. This is such great stuff. As I said, these are the things I want to pass on to my kids. I wouldn't have thought of these questions myself, so I'm so grateful that I got to interview you today and I get to pass these along to my kids, my students, and start thinking about these with my wife. And uh, at dinner tonight, You know, the the kids have four questions coming their way and it's going to be a great conversation. So just want to thank you for your time today.
1: Thank you. What a delight. It's fun that I got to learn with and from you. So what do I want to learn? Who do I serve? Hopefully your kids as they have a dinner conversation. How do you build? You've had a family event. And where am I? I hope when your kid messes up, it's an opportunity to learn. That's Carol Dweck stuff. Failure is that great opportunity to get better. So thank you, Nate. What a delight.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Mickels and Dimes. I love the questions Dave asked today. First, what do you want? This may be the most critical question we face, because if we don't know what we want, somebody else will define it for us. For example, the executive in New York City, making millions each year, needed to be reminded that what he really wanted was a relationship with his son. Knowing what we want gives us certainty in a world of uncertainty. Second, who do you serve? If we don't give back, our lives are essentially meaningless. The research says that service, philanthropy, and giving makes us better. So find someone to mentor. Find people to help. And all the better if our career becomes a calling to make a difference. Third, how do you build? Are we building an organization that is better than us? Are we part of a system where the collective group comes together to generate organizational success? It can be difficult and maybe impossible to make a difference without being part of an organization that is bigger than ourselves. Fourth, where are you? In Genesis, God asks Eve, where are you? For decades, Dave thought that was a question about physical location. But 15 years ago, Dave saw the question through the lens of the emotional, social, and intellectual. Are you going to change and grow? Are you going to let your mistakes define you? Or are you going to own it, accept it, learn from it, and grow? By thinking deeply about each of these questions, and then answering them for ourselves, we will all live a better life. It's a simple idea. Please take it seriously. Nate Mickle here with three requests and one suggestion. First, if you would like a quick summary of these lessons delivered to your inbox, sign up for Nate's notes at natemickle.com. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. Third, if you'd give this podcast a five-star review on Apple iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And now a suggestion. If you're like me and want to remember all of the lessons shared in previous episodes, visit the list of lessons page on my website, natemickle.com, to see all of the lessons that each previous guest has shared. Thanks for your support.